Hey everyone, welcome to a special edition uh, Game Luster podcast here. I'm Robert and I'm joined here by HK, Jess and Ree. And uh, today we're going to talk about something a little special. Uh, if you noticed, maybe about two weeks ago at E3, uh, Ubisoft announced Watch Dogs Legion or whatever, uh, which is all about the UK in this uh, authoritative, somewhat apocalyptic society, kind of big brother E. Uh, and the pre-marketing says a lot of stuff about Brexit, but the show itself, it's pretty, that messaging is pretty scant. But I thought, considering that the three writers that I have with me today are based in the UK, they would know a lot more about Brexit than pretty much any average American. Um, so I thought maybe it could be cool to talk to them and see what they have in store. So uh, guys, if you want to maybe go down the line and introduce yourselves. Okay, so yeah, I'm Ree. And yeah, I mean, we were watch- I think all three of us were watching this live and... I don't think we were particularly impressed with its accuracy, but I'll let everyone else talk about that. Uh, I'm Jess, and yeah, I was also watching it live, and uh, yeah, I've got quite a few opinions on this, so I'm looking forward to discussing them. And I'm HK, and I am often tiring people with how much I go on about Brexit and politics in general, and yeah, I, I, I have a few thoughts about the direction that, that Ubisoft seem to be taking this, but there we are. All right. So I think the first thing we should probably do here is kind of establish the baseline. What's our understanding of Watch Dogs Legion, regardless of the political slash apolitical agenda that they allegedly have. Um, Watch Dogs Legion is a open world game set in a big city known as London. And you don't just play as one character, you play as a bunch of characters. And it's this idea that you recruit all the NPCs to make one rebellion group and hence the phrase legion and there's a lot of hacking and stealth killing and tasering and grandmas it's <laughs> i mean just in general it seems like it's going for this weird mix of serious but wacky which tonally i'm not really sure how i feel about but uh regardless it's like this this uh like i said earlier big brother-esque society where apparently the government has gone whack and as far as political society in the United Kingdom goes now, um, I think they've gone a little bit too serious and it needs to be a bit more wacky. <laughs> so saying like I, when I was watching the trailer, I, I took some notes of the kind of vibes I got from it so I could compare it to the vibes I get from Brexit. And the ones I took then were, like you said, uh, kind of uh, mass surveillance. Uh, there's also like riots, bombings, mass incarceration, very much how I imagine the Americans view London. <laughs> yeah, we think it's just kind of one giant anarchy city for the most part. <laughs> I mean, well, no, that is how it could end up. I mean, because you've got the thing that of Brexit. I mean, Brexit is going to wreak a lot of um, havoc in the United Kingdom when it does eventually happen. Um, but you know, you've also got to consider what's actually going to happen post-Brexit, the kind of the, what post-Brexit Britain is going to look like, the sort of policies we're going to have. And, you know, with the way things are going at the moment, unfortunately, um, without sounding a little bit too partis- partisan, um, I kind the, of agree. it's quite bleak at the moment. <laughs> I kind of agree, but then I also feel like uh, there's quite a lot of fear around Brexit over the uncertainty of what's going to happen 
and uh, how everything's going to turn out. And I feel like what Ubisoft have done is they've like kind of jumped on this and decided to use it as a marketing scheme for their game. So I guess let's uh, let's maybe pull it back a little bit and talk about what Brexit is in the real world, not in this Ubisoft hellscape. But well, the real world might also be a hellscape. But Brexit is something that I think a lot of Americans, especially they hear that word and they think it's a buzzword, but they don't quite exactly know the implications Brexit could have other than the UK isn't going to be in the EU anymore. So I was wondering if you guys could give us maybe like a quick primer without getting like too far into the weeds, because I'm sure there are tons of weeds <laughs> to get into. Yeah. I actually uh, compiled a quick rundown of what Brexit is for an American audience, so I could quickly go by that and Jess and HK can fill me in anything I miss. So in, on the, uh, the 23rd of June 2016, we had a referendum or a vote on our membership to the European Union. It's something we've been a part of since, the ni- since 1973 when it was the European Economic Community and Remain was very much expected to win. It was a lot of sort of, you know, like complacency about that. And then, and the results came in, it was 51% in favor of leave and 48% of Remain. Remain, And it really, that kind of divide has not changed one bit. So yeah, that's, and also we were meant to actually leave um, March this year. That's been extended to October 31st of this year. Um, and it, for all we know, it could be extended again. So that's where we are right now. I think you've you've summed it up uh, quite nicely. And though you did miss out the fact that there was another ex- that there was a, a f- that October the thirty first is the second extension we've had. Originally, we were meant to leave in mid April, but that was extended uh, further to what it is now in October thirty first. It's also probably worth noticing uh, noting that um, when we leave the EU we're going to be leaving all their laws and stuff and uh, all the deals we have with them. So at the moment, the MPs are trying to argue whether we should leave without a deal, leave with some kind of deal, what kind of deal we're going to have, what the preparations for leaving the EU. And it's all a bit of a mess, really. Yeah, and so far, um, I'm sure a lot of Americans have heard of Theresa May. She was our prime minister um, after David Cameron, after the results came in. She was the one heading the negotiations and she got a deal, but it failed to get through Parliament. So she she has stepped down now. Yeah, now you have an upstanding young gentleman to maybe be the new prime minister. Am I right? (laughs) Two upstanding (laughs) gentlemen to perhaps be prime minister, both of which have said that they want to leave without a deal. So to be honest, I don't think it gets any better than the two men who are on offer. This is the peak of British society right here, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so to my understanding, and you know, I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm a world citizen and understand everything that's happening in the world, but I mean, I read up a bit on Brexit, maybe more than your average American. And to my understanding, like, there's more to this than just the UK is gonna be its own country free of EU ties, but there are implications for not only the United Kingdom's economy, but also kind of the global economy and how much this could mess that up. Am I wrong in that? You're right. I think one of the things that has been um, talked about a lot, especially recently, is the impact that the United Kingdom's exit from the European single market is going to have on other countries in the European Union. In fact, there are people who have been saying that Germany could face a pretty harsh um, economic recession 
um, as a result of the UK exiting the European Union. The same could be said for so many other European countries and world countries who rely on um, who rely on deals, trade deals with the European Union, which as it stands includes the United Kingdom. The loss of a major trading partner like the United Kingdom could um, could could horrifically upset that balance. So with all of this in mind, do you think Watchdogs Legion captures the essence of a post-Brexit <laughs> society? I think it yeah. Um if I may, I think it captures current British society quite well. Um, not just post-Brexit, but how it is now. I mean, if you go to London, it's like people it always it already feels pretty bleak, to be honest. It reminded me a bit of the London riots with the way it was all set out, you know, if you know, just that kind of like atmosphere to it. I think maybe they've like taken note of that and maybe thinking that that's what it's gonna look like after Brexit. Yeah, actually, um I kind of agree with Jess on that. I uh, this might be controversial. I don't actually think the trailer is a very good representation of Brexit. It's kind of like just said earlier, I feel like it's more of a marketing tool because, like I said, I took notes of the vibes I got from the trailer and I took notes of where, what comes to mind when I think of Brexit Britain. And the three big ones were divided, so people very divided, like almost 50-50 down the line of leave and remain. Those are two viewpoints that you can't really compromise on very well. So there's a lot of arguing, you know, you hear stories of people falling out with family members over this. And another thing that comes to mind is immigration. You know, we had in the European Union, you've got freedom of movement, so you can freely go between any um, country in the European Union. Uh, that's going to go, it looks like, once we leave. So some people are pro that, some people are anti that. And then you've also got disillusionment. So people just feeling disillusioned in the entire political system. Um, I'd say like, yeah, this... Uh, this trailer shows a lot of disillusionment with the system. You know, you have riots, you have people starting a resistance, but it doesn't touch on anything to do with freedom of movement. And it doesn't really touch on how everyday people are divided. So I think like Jess said, it kind of reflects more of the riots we have in, we had in 2011, I believe it was. Mm. I think so. <clears throat> See, I think it's, it's interesting, right? That you're mentioning here that it's kind of a 50, 50 split yet. I guess in in Ubisoft's vision of post-Brexit London, it seems like it's more a 90-10 split because they're saying, hey, you can recruit anyone as if you could just tap anyone on the shoulder <laughs> and they would agree with your stance. <laughs> right? So, I mean... That's, that's pretty... I mean, if this is a pro-European movement that we're starting, then that's pretty accurate of London because <laughs> in, in London, it's like the, that, that's, the, that's probably the... The part of the United Kingdom, uh, apart from Scotland, that voted most heavily in favour of Remain. So I suppose in 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 one one view could be that that's a pretty accurate representation of London. It is. It could be a ninety ten split. I'm not saying it is, but it could be. London's also a very multicultural city, and um, a lot of the people living in there are actually EU citizens themselves as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Like whenever I go to London, you hear so many accents, you hear so many different languages. Whereas everyone in this trailer has a Cockney accent. It's brilliant. <laughs> I feel like what yeah. Ubisoft should have done is kept it as a caricature. So rather than 
I know they haven't outright said it, but rather than making this quite a serious representation of a post-Brexit London, made it like a bit more over the top. Because I know I noticed that the characters that they showed in the trailer at the moment seem like a caricature. You know, like you got the Cockney accent guy, and he's got the punk music going on in the background, and then you go to an old lady, and she's got classical music, and she talks like the Queen. I think they should have like amplified that a bit more to make it like not so serious. See. I, you know, I think that's what's kind of funny about this, this whole presentation, just tonally speaking, because when they were showing off that montage of gameplay that was around like, what, 10 minutes or so, that felt pretty serious. I mean, aside from the Cockney accents, it, you know, it was this kind of dark, gritty, oh, we need to recruit this guy. He's the last remaining drone person that we need. You know, it, it felt very bleak. You know, the first guy dies. It sets this tone of, you know, just in general, this could be the end of the world. And then the guy talks for about five minutes on the stage and they play this trailer like you were just mentioning with all the punk music and the classical music. And it kind of pulled me out of it. It made me think it made me kind of agree with what Ree was saying, where Brexit's kind of just a marketing tool or Ubisoft's not really trying to say anything with this game. They're just saying, hey, Brexit's happening. Wouldn't it be cool if we put that in our video game kind of give us a motive for the movement at all? It's like it's. It's, it's, it's almost as if they're, they're, treating, they're sort of trivializing what is a huge issue for so many people, um, not just in this country, but the world over. Yeah, it's just for money, just to sell. Mm. Like, it's just a buzzword, basically, post-Brexit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I pretty much completely agree with that. Um, I'd rather they, like Jess said, just be honest about that. Um, and, I mean, because what this could be is... Obviously, the GTA series is kind of like a satire of uh, US culture. And that's because um, I believe the main creators from it are from Scotland. So it's kind of like an outsider looking in. I feel mm. like that'd be great if we could have an outsider looking into UK culture and just making a complete parody of it that doesn't necessarily have to be accurate. And yeah, I feel like it could be a lot of fun. But then when we read the recent interview um, with Ubisoft um, about their political stance or lack thereof, um, they said that they're influenced by politics and they talk about it in quite a serious manner. Like they want people, they want to give people a platform to see all these different points of view and come to their own opinion. But with this game, it seems like all the points of view are these like vague anti-authoritarian things that both leave and remainers will probably agree with. Like no one particularly likes mass surveillance. No one particularly likes loads of people being thrown in jail. So it's, it's very much like the enemy seems quite vague. It's this big baddie. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we see a lot of we've seen Ubisoft like tackle isn't the right word. Maybe like flag football tackle. Like it's, it's very, <laughs> you know, like they're pulling their punches. Right. But we see them attempt to show off these very politically charged games. And, you know, I mean, post Brexit is definitely a big one, but, you know, we can't discount the fact that far cry 5 tried to tackle you know the american cult of personality thing uh washington dc and division 2 like literally going to the white house which isn't the most popular place in american culture nowadays um <laughs> like tackling that in a video game that's definitely not an easy thing to do and now here they're going to the uk and tackling a similarly huge issue right and I'm just worried that they're not going to handle this with the right respect, I guess, for what this actual 
uh, political issue could do to your average citizen. Yeah, I think rather than pretend and put on a mask that they're going to handle this seriously, I think they should do a pick a side. You do, you try to do it seriously and do it with justice, or you just acknowledge that you're taking influence for it for like a satirical game. You know, I don't think there's any shame in that, but I think they want to look respectful, but that's not going to come across in the execution. Yeah, that's the way I see it too. It, I, I, I have a hard time actually believing that they are trying to be respectful. I mean, they're working under the assumption that it's easy to go up to people and they're going to be incredibly susceptible to joining our movement um, in London when we are actually quite a reserved people in London. It's, 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 you may, I mean, you can't be satirical and respectful at the same time. They're like mutually exclusive. Yeah. I mean, because I just think of um, their previous games. I mean, did anyone here play Far Cry 5? No, I never got around to it. No. So I unfortunately spent 40 hours to beat that <laughs> game. And, you know, I mean, I'm not the biggest Far Cry fan. I think they're fine games. But, you know, once you played one, you played them all. But when I heard, hey, we're going to tackle this kind of serious issue of cult of personality you know you got one very charismatic man leading an entire county to you know destruction and uh religious shenanigans i guess is the best way to put it um and i thought cool that could actually have a good story and that could maybe have something to say in the world we live in today and i guess spoilers a little bit it just kind of devolves into a nuclear nightmare that has nothing to do with charisma or you know, don't like if your friend tells you to jump off a bridge, do you jump kind of stuff? It just became a normal shooter set in America, which is fine. But there are so many games that do that already. Yeah, I think that kind of relates to what they were saying in the interview and that they're taking this ambivalent stance of we take influence by politics. That doesn't mean we're political. It's like they, if, like you said, with the cult of personalities, it's like they're scared that if they, maybe seem to uh if they took too much of a stance on that and explored the idea too much that they'd alienate some of their audience surely a game like this calls calls for at least some explore, exploration of these issues of these issues otherwise if or well, simply just taking note of politics and not really you know going in too much depth of it you you risk looking a bit cynical so you're saying uh, that they're putting aside the politics because video games are still supposed to be fun Saying that, well, I'm saying that's what they're doing, but I mean, yeah, that, that is what they're doing, but that's not a good thing. I don't think that is a good thing because they are looking a bit too cynical. It look, it's looking as though they're making surface level, surface level reference to what is a deep issue um, in this country and not really giving much thought as to how it's actually going to be represented in the game, which is frustrating um, on the one hand because you know this this is something that could be easily explored in a game and on this on the other hand because you know it just looks as though they're doing it for money as as Jess and Rhea have both said i completely agree with that even though we only saw about 10 minutes or so of it it feels like what they've done is they've taken the idea of brexit and they've sell it in a post-Brexit London, not really taking much thought in the actual topic itself or exploring the actual issues around it or anything like that. And they've just set it in a generic kind of like revolution style setting. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. At the end of the day, I, I didn't feel like this was a game that was trying to say something about the real world. I mean, they could have just said, you know, oh, some 
evil sect of the government has taken over the Scotland Yard and has made everyone scared of surveillance. You know, you could just do something very vague like that and very not ingrained in reality, and it would have been fine and it would have accomplished the same goals that it seems like Watch Dogs 3 is trying to set out. But by actually attaching post-Brexit to the marketing, you've all of a sudden elevated so many of the audience's expectations of what this game should be saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, because it's just a generic story attached to Brexit. There's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, don't get people's hopes up because I don't I feel like a post-Brexit Britain is something you could explore without the game itself taking a side. Like they said in the interview, they want to give people the different views to explore themselves. I think that's possible, but I don't think Ubisoft have ever actually done that with any of their games. I think I think that's just kind of the the bane of being a huge publisher like that, right? Is that you can't take too many risks, otherwise you don't move enough copies of whatever game you're making. Because whenever oh, yeah. I, yeah, whenever Great. I think of any game that actually tackles any meaningful issues, more often than not, they're smaller. They're indie games or maybe double A games at most. Or Detroit Become Human, where David Cage just kind of like denied that it was put it had any political stance or <laughs> it's yeah. true an unwillingness to take risks though for these huge publishers also shows um to put to put it quite bluntly a, a lack of imagination oh yeah i agree with that yeah you know they're 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 prioritizing sales over actually making imaginative games imag- good imag- imaginative games that that have the potential to be incredibly good. And if they are incredibly good and incredibly imaginative, then they'll sell even better than playing it safe. For sure. I mean, because, you know, I mean, like drawing it back to David Cage, you know, yeah, you've got, he, he might be one of the only people trying to push for AAA level games that try to maybe say something, but also he's just kind of an idiot. <laughs> he tries hard, bless him, but he does it so badly. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of rather him just make these stories without even considering any political implications they may have and just make them, you know, they're just fun. Like, enjoy yourself in this other world that isn't entrenched in our reality in any way, shape or form, you know? So, so like Skyrim, because, you know, that's a game that is set in a pretty, you've, you've got quite a hefty and raw political situation that's going on in Skyrim. You've got a big civil war going on. Um, you've got support worshippers of Talos being um, uh, persecuted by the Empire, even though the Empire don't really like doing that. And, you know, that that's quite fun. It's, it's, it's a political game, but it's not drenched in reality. Dragons yeah. and endangered species being killed for their bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, they started it though. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so they, had, they kind of had it coming, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, with David Cage, I, I think there were just too many very obvious parallels to, at least to me, to the civil rights movement of the '60s in America. Of you know, like marching for peace and freedom, like we're a persecuted people and we want our rights, and then everyone else thinking you're not people, you're blank. In this case, robots. Yeah, and I was watching a, uh, I was actually watching an analytical video on it, 
And even the relationship between Connor and Hank is like those uh, old films where you'd have a, a really moody cop and then he's put up with a partner who happens to be black and the moody cop's like really racist. And then in the end, they like find a balance and they become really good friends. It's all just kind of like linking back towards that. And of course, there'd be no shame in David Cage taking inspiration from real world events and real world civil rights movements, but he won't even acknowledge it. He keeps saying, Mm. oh no, I I make games about robots. They've got, it's got nothing to do. It's like, okay, you're obviously going to take inspiration from the real world, particularly when you're making a game about persecuted people. But if he could could just admit that, that would be great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, calling him an idiot is probably going a bit far because, you know, he does at least craft decent branching stories. Like, there's definitely no other game like Detroit Become Human right now on the market. I just kind of wish he'd take it. It's like he got 80% of the way there and then just threw away the baton because he was afraid of what would happen if he brought it to the finish line. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) That's a really good way to explain it. So, yeah, David Cage is a bit odd. But I'm still looking forward to his future games, I guess. (laughs) They're still going to be weird. I have a feeling there'll be a Detroit sequel, even though he said it will happen if it can happen. Detroit became human. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that whatever sequel comes out to that, it's set in a completely different part of America. Oh, yeah. Like Maybe the UK. It can be set in a post-Brexit UK. <laughs> Post-Brexit robot UK. <laughs> but those ro- robots want their freedom of movement, but it's got nothing to do with the real world. Yeah. <laughs> and also, we, I made up the term Brexit. I didn't, I didn't even realize that was a real world that people were using that in years. <laughs> I can't believe David Cage invented oppression. What a genius. <laughs> uh but to bring it to um to indie games because i brought that up a little bit earlier um you know whenever i think of games that actually tackle major issues and wear that on their sleeves you know i think of games like celeste i don't know if you guys have played that but like on the face of it celeste is a pretty simple game i mean it's hard as balls but it it's just a platformer right you know understanding it and understanding its gameplay mechanics and gameplay loop is very easy but when you tie it to the fact that climbing this fictional mountain is a metaphor for conquering your own depression and learning how to manage it that elevates the game to a whole new level you know whereas here it's just shooty shooty cockney (laughs) accents lol brexit (laughs) that's kind of it I can't get over LOL Brexit that's brilliant (laughs) take of the evening ladies and gentlemen (laughs) but you're right I mean because with a game like this it does it does deserve to have a lot of emotional depth to it and because you know games that have emotional depth tend to do quite well and without that what is what's the point Mm -hmm. I think a game or two games that use uh something like brexit as a backdrop to have a cool world and a cool story it's probably the first two fallouts and maybe for that new vegas as well because they're so influenced by american culture in the 50s and especially during the cold war there's a lot of references to the red scare um 
And it's the whole thing kind of has this vibe of how futile and how pointless the nuclear arms race was because you're surrounded by the remnants of society and all that. And it's quite, they're both quite lighthearted games-ish. They take some bits seriously, like especially in the main story in the first one, which everyone should play because it's brilliant. Mm. And yeah, it just uses quite a serious subject like uh, the Cold War as a really cool um, backdrop to kind of criticize um, the Red Scare, also criticize, like, it it doesn't say too much, but it acknowledges that it's a cool, it's a cool viewpoint to explore. And I feel like that's what Brexit, this uh, Watchdog Legion could have been, but I don't think it actually will be. Okay, I was going to say, I feel like uh, Bioshock was also another one, because the whole idea of a Bioshock was this, a concept of a guy wanting to go and build a city underwater to escape like uh, i think it was um uh like just the whole idea of america and how like met people have to work really hard thinking they can get up to the top when actually they're just working really hard to feed like the guys up at the top and um yeah i thought that kind of like dealt with it quite well as well yeah, um, I, mm. I feel like Skyrim can be quite, and uh, there is a there are some analogies to be drawn between Brexit and the Stormcloak Rebellion in Skyrim because you've got the the, the Stormcloak Rebellion putting its oppression of uh, Dark Elves aside. It, it it is driven largely by the fact that Sky that there's this group of people who want Skyrim to leave the Empire because they feel as though it is a suppression of their identity, of, of Skyrim identity, of their identity as Nords. Um, that was, the suppression of British identity was something that was um, played on a lot during the Brexit uh, campaign. And I feel like, the, in a way, by painting it in such a raw form, Skyrim dealt with that issue quite well. <laughs> if we're drawing comparisons to other games. Yeah. Yeah, the Witcher series has... I know they're based on books as well, but the Witcher series also kind of like delves on the same thing as well because you've got um, the Empire um, coming in, the Nifgardian Empire that's like slowly taking over everything. And then it also deals with the racial issues because everyone's quite racist towards uh, non-humans and stuff like that. And the Witcher series isn't shy about it either. They're like, yeah, we're... We've got racial themes in our games and we address that. So maybe it's not AAA games, but maybe it's just Ubisoft. <laughs> <laughs> it might yeah. just be them. Also, uh, Wolfenstein, if you squint really closely, Wolfenstein is also based off um, <laughs> historical <laughs> events as well. And what ifs? <laughs> no, there is, there is nothing political about shooting Hitler in the face, of course. No, no, no it's no. very subtle. <laughs> There is nothing political about flying to Venus where the Nazis have a space station where Hitler's still alive and filming a movie with him. Uh, nothing political. Get that on the down low. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, video games are in this weird place where, you know, they, they came from a place where people just wanted to have fun. You know, I mean, they're essentially like early days. They were kind of toys, but a little bit more interactive and now they've become something of an art form where yes there are some that are just toys right or at least that can be likened to toys 
but then there are some that actually have depth and meaning and actual thematic elements that are worth exploring and diving into, much like novels or certain movies, right? So I think it's just kind of tough. I think the, the games industry is kind of navigating the waters there and trying to figure out the best way to balance it. Because right now, at least in, in my eyes, Legion is sitting between the two, where it's trying to be this fun, open-world, hours-of-your-time toy, but also a serious you know, commentary on a political situation that is very, very apparent right now. Yeah, I think you've summed that up quite well because, I mean, at the moment, for example, I've been having loads of fun with Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel. There is nothing political to be said about that, but it's still a lot of fun and that's fine. And But then on the other hand, I'll, I love game series like um, Dragon Age because they do deal with a lot of politics, at least internal politics, that has been influenced by the outside world. And... I think there's a lot of fun to be had when you create this internal politics and you can explore it, you can explore different viewpoints, you can pick different viewpoints. But like you said, it seems like it seems like Watch Dogs Legion is just going to be an in-between, not quite sure what it is. Even games like Grand Theft Auto make uh, references to politics that's actually going on because uh, I was tra- cause when you're driving around in Grand Theft Auto 5, you, you hear all these campaign ads for... Um, rather humorous campaign ads for um and governor elections or something and playing the storyline you, you know it is you can tell that it is influenced by the politics um of of the day so it's not that hard it's not that hard to if you have a game that's set at least in a vague approximation of the real world as is the case with gta 5 to make references to politics yeah, I think GTA 5 is the best example of what Watch Dogs Legion could be because it makes a lot of references to American culture. It makes a lot of parodies of American culture. Like, for example, I mean, um, I was watching uh, my partner play it recently and, that, like, you know, you have... Oh, everyone's going to hate me for this. I can't remember anyone's name in this, but what's-his-face because he's that therapist and whenever when he's on, like, the verge of a breakthrough, he's like, oh, your time's up and I'm charging you more next time. You know, it's obviously a parody of American yeah. healthcare, but that's... It's humorous, you know, but it's, it's also, like, talk about a very horrible issue, but it's also making it, you know, humorous and ripping into it and exploring the world and it doesn't have to be and i don't think that's going to alienate anyone i don't think anyone's going to hear that scene and go oh this game's too political i'm turning it off i'm snapping my copy you know boycott rockstar like no one's doing that so yeah there's no need to be so scared of taking influence from the real world Mm. Red Dead Redemption too, as well. Uh, not like current political issues, but it was like dealing with his- the historical uh, politics going on at the time, like how the Native Americans were being slowly pushed out of their land, and like the industrialism and everything. Uh, I don't think like there's anything bad about politics being included in games as long as it's done right. And I think Rockstar are doing a really good job of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. I'm a firm believer in humor. I believe humor is one of the best ways that people can get to know each other and understand very complex ideas. And in that vein, I think satire is one of the best ways to easily introduce highly politically charged issues to people who don't want to talk about politics. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I would love it if Ubisoft were trying to be satirical in the same way GTA does. Like, I still remember in GTA 5, there's like that mission where you go through... I forget their name for for Facebook, but you know they have like a made up, totally not Facebook. Oh yeah, GTA I know what 5. you are. Yeah, Life Invader. 
Life Invader. Perfect. Exactly that. So by the name alone, you already know, okay, this is pretty fucked. And then when you go through their offices, if you like, if you look and you just have to look for this, you know, they don't tell you to look at it, but if you just check out their offices, check out their conference rooms, you can see on the chalkboards stuff written like steal their data, sell their data <laughs> and as, as they're like goals and objectives for the company. And, you know, it makes you think, oh, that's funny. Also, that probably really does happen, but it's funny that they're, you know, highlighting this and it, it makes you think. I mean, we know it does happen. We found out last year that it does happen. Exactly. <laughs> but with Watch Dogs Legion, you know, there isn't, it doesn't seem like they're taking, like the humorous approaches that they are taking are for their NPCs, for the characters you play as. Like, oh, it's a granny who kills people. Isn't that funny? <laughs> but it's, it's nothing about like, you know, look at this guy, Doris Johnson. You know, (laughs) there's nothing like that. It's just, yeah, Brexit is real and it happened. You know, so June is MP. (laughs) (laughs) Make Doris Johnson happen, please. I beg. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Jack Catch. (laughs) But it's like. Yeah, but you made like a really good point there. It's like Brexit's a huge problem that's happening. British politics is at times here very hostile. And I'm assuming that not everyone in the world knows or cares about what's happening here. So I feel like a game about the UK right now could be a very good avenue to explore that. Maybe we need to get Rockstar to do it instead. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think Rockstar is... Like, they haven't made a GTA game in London, right? Because it's all been, like, New York City and LA. But they're planning to. Really should do. It would be hilarious. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They have permission. They can do it. They have your express permission. Yeah. (laughs) We we, we represent Britain. Us free. Perfect representative of Britain. (laughs) Rockstar, a a British uh, company as well, aren't they? They're... Uh, but they were originally based yeah. in Scotland. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 branch of Rockstar, Rockstar North, that makes uh, GTA is is uh, based in Le- Leeds, I think. So Ooh, nice. It makes, it makes sense for them to do a game that's set in London. So why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's the next one in the pipeline. We don't know. Right? Actually, no. I think there was actually a DLC for a past. A GTA game that was set in 1960s London. At Grand Theft Auto London 1969. Um, it was a mission pack for the original Grand Theft Auto game. Oh God, that's oh. going back. And of course, it's 1969 of all the years. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah the, the game itself is 22 years old, and the mission pack set in London is itself 20 years old. So that's fun. Oh, I I doubt they talked about Brexit though back then. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, it's like how Simpsons predicts everything. I'm sure DTTA exactly predicted Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were probably making fun of Tony yeah. Blair. <laughs> you know, I, I guess like as a closing point for this little special edition we're doing, it did just hit me that we have a release date for Watch Dogs, which is March 6, 2020. And assuming Brexit doesn't get pushed back again, It'll actually come out in a post-Brexit society, or at least a during-Brexit society. So, my question is, I like who's how is marketing going to deal with that? Because that's that doesn't sound fun. 
According to Ubisoft's view of a post-Brexit London, no one will be playing games because they'll be yeah. too busy rioting. <laughs> too busy tapping people on shoulders and asking them to join yeah. a revolution. Everybody's joined the revolution. They don't have time to play video games. <laughs> this game is going to be a total flop when it comes to sales. We're all going to be too busy using the discs to slit people's throats. <laughs> it's the weapon of the revolution. <laughs> Physical sales at an all-time high this week. <laughs> and they say yeah. video games don't cause violence. <laughs> so, I don't know, I guess, uh, you know, we're wrapping up here, but I was curious if you guys had any closing thoughts of, I guess, what you know of Brexit and you know, just the fact that you're living kind of in it and will live through it. What are you hoping, like best case scenario that Watchdog, Le like what do you hope that Ubisoft does in Watchdog's Legion that kind of could actually tackle the issue in a respectful way? I hope, I, I hope they have Boris Johnson as some sort of character in the game because he is most definitely going to be our next prime minister. And I think it would be, Incredibly blind of Ubisoft on their part if they didn't reference him at all. Maybe they'll do what Detroit Become Human did with the definitely not Hillary Clinton president and have <laughs> like, definitely not Boris Johnson MP and definitely not uh, Theresa May prime minister. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. I suppose from what I would want the game, um, I think I said, yeah, I'd I want it to be just a full satire of British culture. I want it to be a full satire of Brexit as a whole. You know, I want them to mention the fact that we're so divided, almost 50 50. Um, the, the fact that so many people want freedom of movement, so many people don't want that. And then in the middle, you've got yeah, people who actually lived in the EU. Um, obviously, you know, th I don't expect them to actually mention the EU, but I want them to kind of mention the domestic fallout of Brexit. And, you know, and obviously they're, I think they're going to tackle disillusionment with the government, but I'd like that to be a, a specific ideology, not just this vague, big, bad government that's doing bad things sort of thing. I suppose that's what I want. I just want them to have fun with it, not take it too seriously. Yeah, I think the worst thing they can do is take it too seriously. I, I really hope that it's like a complete, completely over the top. <laughs> um, yeah, and they just like, it's it's not too serious at all. No, that's uh, that's awesome to hear. Hopefully, that's what it'll be. Fingers crossed. I don't know. I mean, Watch Dogs has been on an upward trajectory, but I feel like this is kind of throwing a big wrench in the works, and we'll see how it turns out. Should do um, another one of these when it comes out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know, watch them. Watch them put like Far Cry Six in like the wilderness just outside of London. But it's, <laughs> it's mostly set in London anyway. <laughs> And it, it's another post-Brexit. The wild plains of Kingston-upon-Thames. <laughs> Otherwise known as Fallout 4. <laughs> but yeah, I think that wraps up this little special edition podcast we've got here from Game Luster. Uh, we hope that you maybe learned something from this episode or at the very least enjoyed what we did here. Um, for HK, Jess, and Ree, this has been Robert, and we are signing off. Tune in for our next podcast, I guess. See ya.